0: So this morning, our children will stay in with us, uh, no children's church. Thank you, Carl, for bringing that children's story. And um, I get to thinking about children here this morning. Um, I think I need my light here, uh, Brian. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you laugh. Yeah, you get up here with your eyesight. <laughs> <clears throat> For those that don't know, um, Noreen and I have four children, and um, when they're all little, you know, it's like you're, you know, trying to help them and teach them, and and it's like you you just can't imagine anything else but them staying at that age. It's like they're supposed to be our little children, you know, and, uh, but then as they get older, most of you realize it, you know, then you're saying, when are you going to leave home? (laughs) And I don't know why we, you know, act that way. Um, But what we want is, we don't want them to just leave home. What we want is that they're going to be strong and stable in Jesus. That's really what we want. And um, that's exactly what God wants for you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, um, you are, you are... Apart from God. You are separate from God. You're, you're not in his family. You, you need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of a life of works and efforts to please God. Oh my goodness, how sad that is. Because you can never please God. And we want to say that real clearly. You can never be good enough to please God. Because his righteousness is what? perfect and you're not and i'm not and therefore the ladder that i try to climb to reach that perfection uh not gonna make it not gonna make it so you need to realize that god sent a savior because you and i needed that we needed christ's righteousness for ourselves he took our sin and when we believe on him he takes our sin and we receive his what? His righteousness. His righteousness is imputed to our account. Okay? And Christians now, Christians are sinners. <laughs> Simple, right? Christians are sinners. Um, a lot of times Christians are portrayed to be, you know, oh, holier than thou and such. And sometimes Christians act that way. <clears throat> but Christians are sinners. Christians are pardoned, forgiven, sinners. Christians are sinners set free from the enslavement of sin. And Christians are labeled and uh, described as God's little children, God's children. And God wants His children to grow up. God wants His children to grow up. He wants his children to grow up and be strong in Jesus. So that's the pattern. That's the equation that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, that's what we have here today and on till we die, is that we are walking with him. That we're finding our strength in Jesus. Okay? That we are growing up as children of God. And we're maturing Peter says to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants his children to grow in their confidence, not in the flesh. Paul says, you know, he, Paul gives his, his uh, resume. Remember, we've talked about this before. Paul gives his resume in, in Philippians chapter 3. And he says, here's what I've done. But he's saying in that, in that context of Philippians 3, I'm not going to put confidence in the flesh and that's what that's the problem that we have a lot of times christian is that we're living this day whatever day it is all too much in the confidence in the flesh god wants us to have confidence in christ and thus that's why we are here in first john wrapping up this letter with the concluding message of first john john wanting to say here's here's these Confidence boosters for your life. And the more, listen, the more that you, as a Christian, the more that you read and apply the truth, the more that you read it and apply it, it's not just read it, but the more that you read it and apply it, then the more you grow in confidence in Him. We talked about it last week, this idea of confidence. Confidence in the in the area of work that you have. You've got confidence in what you do, hopefully. <laughs> if you don't, maybe you need to think of some other line of work. But your confidence in those things, that's good. And God wants to help us be confident in Christ. So last week we discussed and we studied about confidence for your eternal life. First John chapter 5, verse 13. And then we talked about confidence in your prayer life. First John 5:14 through 17. You see it in your outline there. And now there are there are three more that we're going to look at here today. Three more things. Confidence uh, number three is confidence in his victory. Confidence in his victory. <clears throat> okay? And uh, we got to go through this song and this PowerPoint I forgot about that. Sorry. Here we go. Booster shots for God's little children. Okay. It's part two. So here's 1 John 5, verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Okay. So with that, we understand here's, this is confidence in his victory. And letter A, he has set me free in being saved in having faith in what Jesus did i am set free from the bondage and the enslavement to sin i've been born again okay everyone who is born of god or born again you have new life in christ do you are you discovering what that is or are you just hearing that phrase that's what god wants god wants us to encounter new life not just to know about it he wants us to encounter new life. Okay, it's the idea here of conversion, and I want you to mark down this reference: First Thessalonians chapter one nine and ten. First Thessalonians one nine and ten. And in the book of Acts, this idea, this concept of conversion, is mentioned numerous times. And uh, two in particular are Acts chapter fourteen verse fifteen. And Acts chapter 26, where Paul is giving his testimony. And it's uh, verses 15 through 18. Acts 26, 15 through 18. And it's here's the result of saving faith. Not just any kind of faith, not just general faith and whatever, but here's the result of saving faith. It's conversion. It's a changed life. And all too often in our society, in our culture... We hear about people saying they're Christian, but there's no change in their life. There's not a change. There's no conversion. They can talk a talk, but there's no true conversion. And you study some of these passages and you'll see these people were going in this way. And uh, and then they changed. They, They left their idols and they turned and they followed Jesus. And in our day and age... We say, oh, we don't have those idols. We don't have that kind of problem. We don't have a temple of Diana in our town. And we say, oh, you know, that was really obvious. And so we got, uh, you know, we don't have that problem. Yes, we do. We do have that problem. We just can't identify them clearly enough. And so we've got to be alert to that. So, Christian is no longer enslaved to sinful practices. That's why it says there, the one who's born of God does not keep on sinning. And that's a great statement there because it's showing you've been broken away from the pattern of sin in your life. And now you're put on the pattern of being on, on track with what Jesus wants, his will for your life. Okay? So that's the idea of being set free. Okay? You're no longer chained down, Christian. You have the ability in Christ to walk away from the sin that so easily entangles you. Okay? Letter B. Confidence in his victory is also, he is sanctifying me. I know that it's not just I'm set free, but he's sanctifying me. Philippians 1.6 being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. If you're discouraged right now, Christian, you need to get your eyes on Jesus first and realize he does not uh, just walk away from his work. He completes his work. He's a great author. He's an excellent, perfect author. And he's the author of our faith and the more you and I will sit and read and apply the word of God and ask the spirit of God to control our lives the more you're going to grow in confidence in Christ okay so your former pattern of life was you were bound by sin you were stuck in it you were a slave to sin and because you were a slave to sin Jesus came and said, I I will destroy the works of the devil. And so, I've been set free. That doesn't make me perfect. I still stumble, I still fall. Have you been set free? Have you been set free from your sin and bondage to sin? So, having been set free, God is at work in you. As a Christian, God's at work in you to transform you into the image of His Son. You want to mark down also, um, Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, 29, for a reference, and also, same book here, uh, I'm sorry, First uh, John, chapter 3, verse 9, where it says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So, Christian, this is a challenge to you. Are you in the habit of sinning the bible says then you're not born of god it's clear you're not born of god if you continue with a practice of a habit of sin in your life so this is what he, he's getting us to is bringing about confidence in his victory that he accomplished at calvary that's what we remember here in communion right we remember his his death and his shed blood okay so the idea of conversion in letter a and letter b ends up being the idea of transformation that's what god's at work to do that's what he's accomplishing So a lot more can be said about this. The idea of his victory for us uh, in our lives. Is that evident? Are we overcoming? Overcoming by faith. Right. Point number four, it's on the I think it's on the back of your outline. Is confidence in his protection. Confidence in his protection. We look at verse 18, the last part of verse 18, and it says, But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. There's a great statement of protection. But some there, there are some translations that make it sound like the one who's protecting is himself. Okay? In that pronoun. But he who was born of God protects himself is how some translations uh, come forth with it. And that can make sense, because when it's all said and done, there's still a responsibility that you and I have. You have a responsibility, Christian, to walk in His ways, to obey Him. That's a responsibility. But this is an interesting situation in this. Um, How many of you have that... That statement where it says he uh, he protects himself in your in your in your Bible, okay? Some of you do, and that that's um, that's okay, but it's a bit misleading. The better translation, the more clear understanding is when we say protects him. So he who was born of God, there's a difference there. Look at the uh, the first part. We know. That everyone who has been born of God, okay, and that's regarding everyone who's been born of God. It's kind of in a general blanket sense. Whoever's been born of God does not keep sinning. But this one, this one and the last half of verse 18 is saying, but he who was born of God protects him, okay? He who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Folks, this is pointing to Jesus, this is pointing to God. God's the one that protects us. He's the one that protects us. And the evil one does not touch him because Satan is answerable to God. Satan can't just go, go do whatever he wants because God is sovereign. There are certain boundaries that Satan just can't go on unless God says, to, like as with Job, go for it. Okay? So, under this idea of um, confidence in his protection, letter A, is secured. The Christian is secured. Okay? And it's because of Christ. Christ is doing the protecting, Christ is doing the guarding, Christ is doing the shielding. Okay? Um, mark down John 17, verse 2. Jesus said, I have guarded them, I have protected them, meaning his disciples. He's, he's protected them. He's guarded them. Okay? And uh, so, uh, another reference that helps us understand this is when this verse here in 1 John says, but he who was born of God, that, f- that little phrase, we need to understand this, so just bear with me, stay with me on this, is the idea of Jesus using this same word, this verb, In John chapter 18, let's look at that. John chapter 18, verse 37. John chapter 18, verse 37. He's talking with Pilate. And Jesus said in verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would, be, would have been fighting that, it, that I might not be delivered over the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. And that's the same word that we find in 1 John. That he was born of God and protects him. Okay? So, the idea of verse 18, when translated meaning keep, uh, I'm sorry, protects him. It's a clearer rendition of it when we are pointing it, uh, when it's pointed to Jesus Christ as the one who protects us. Mark down for 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, because here's another reference that supports this concept of God's the one protecting. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So, letter A is secured. Letter B is set apart. Set apart as a Christian. In verse 19, we need to move there. We know that we are from God. There's more confidence, more certainty being brought forth. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We know that we are from God. That's setting uh, us apart with that knowledge, with that certainty that I'm in God's family. I've been born of God. I'm with God. I'm in God's family. And folks, remember we've said this before. There's only two kinds of people. They're either saved or they're not saved. They're either in God's family or they're in Satan's family. They're either in light or they're in darkness. There's not an in-between. There's not a sitting on the fence. Okay? Scripture is clear with that. Over and over and over. With different motifs given about that very thing. It's either of God or it's of Satan. And you can be the nicest person in the world and still be in Satan's camp. You can be in darkness. And yet, we look at a person and we say, wow, they're a really nice person. They're really giving. They're really sharing. But they're still in God's, I mean, they're still in Satan's camp because they haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so here, we see how John lays it out for us, saying that the Christian is set apart in God's family from, from all that's in the world. And we're supposed to be set apart. Why? To be different. To be holy. To be alive for God. That's the concept of being born again. You're alive unto God. You're now in God's family. You've been secured. And you're set apart. Are you living that way, Christian? Is that true of you? That you're living a life that's set apart? Holy unto God? Wanting to honor him in, in all that you say and do? Are there areas in your life that you know you're stumbling in? Ask God for his help. Ask God for his wisdom. Ask God that, you know, you would have that, that victory over that sin. Okay? And the idea that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now, the best translation of that is really the whole world lies in wickedness. But the idea of lies, that verb there is this, it's an interesting contrast. John is into contrasts, light and darkness, love and hate, righteousness and sin. And here's another little one. He uses this same word that's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 12, where the shepherds, uh, I mean, the, yeah, the shepherds came, and, and they found the baby, what? Lying in the manger. And here John uses this as a contrast that the whole world lies implied asleep in the power of Satan. It's the whole world. The world system. Okay? And the idea of lies there, lies there is is implied that uh, laying in one's power. So, recognizing uh, these things that we are protected. There's a security and there's a set apartness in that under number four. Number five, number five is our last booster shot, if you will. Confidence in his supremacy. Okay. Confidence in his supremacy. Now, what John does here, I believe, is brings us back to these things that we would worship God for. Here's here's how God is supreme over all. Here's how He is worthy over all. How God is totally holy in all His ways. And he starts with this little reminder again. And we know, there's that confidence again, we know that the Son of God has come. The Son of God, meaning christ who is god in the flesh remember that it's not just anybody that's come it's god in the flesh that's come and has come points us back to the incarnation that's why that is so important it's critical for us as christians that here's the virgin birth here's the incarnation and the virgin birth mary conceived of the what the holy spirit not of joseph it is a miracle, yes. And that's what we hold on to as a fundamental of our faith, that he he came. So, letter A, um, number five, point number five is confidence in his supremacy or his worthiness. And letter A is we worship him for his coming. This is an obvious reference to his incarnation, that God came to earth, okay? Letter B, we worship Him for His work. We worship Him for His work. What does this say here in verse 20? He has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. He has given us understanding. Now that's a part of His work, but here's the big picture of His work. He came to do what? Give His life a ransom for many. So that many would come to faith in Christ. And many would then have security in Christ, protection in Christ, and confidence in Him. To be a difference in the world. (laughs) Christian, you're to be a light in the dark world. You're to be a, a difference in the world. You're to be salt in the world. And we're to have confidence in that. Now, here I am. I'm the cheerleader. And you know, there's times where my confidence level isn't that high when I'm out there with other people. And why? A lot of it's because of this, the fear of man. I want approval from man. I want a, a pat on the back from other people. And I, I delete this idea of, but, but God, but God. and I get my eyes too much on what people might think of me or what people might say. Now, I still have to be wise, all of us, right? We still have to be wise in how we handle situations with other people. We don't just come out with a huge knock them out hammer, you know, with the Holy Spirit's initials on it. You sinner. We, we walk in... In humility, we walk in gentleness, giving a reason for the hope that is, is within us. And see, that Christian that gets back to you spending time with Jesus in his word, reading it and applying it. And God will use you in his good time. God's going to use you. See, this idea of this understanding. He has given us understanding. The word means to, um, to as like an insight okay it's about the thought the the mind, and in the word, if you transliterate it from the Greek into the english it's to diagnose you're you're going to diagnose this you know and here's what god's given us ability to diagnose okay and it's the idea that there's reflection over moral issues is is what's behind that word so that we would continually recognize the work of christ in in our salvation that points us to here's a right relationship with god i've been reconciled with god i i i realize that ephesians write these references down we're not going to have time to read them all but ephesians 1 verse 18 paul is praying that the eyes of your heart or the eyes of your understanding and that's the same word as john uses here be um clear then ephesians 4 verse 18 regarding gentiles unbelievers their understanding same word their understanding has been darkened they don't understand the, the need they, they don't see it because their understanding is darkened their perception they can't see that christ is the answer so, we who say that we're Christians, we worship Him for His coming, we worship Him for His work, His work of salvation, helping us to understand all the blessings of, of salvation. Then, let us see, we worship Him for His identity, who He is. Okay? And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus, Jesus Christ. So, it's that we may know him who is true now look at this word here um and he is the true god in eternal life i've got it here there it is here we go first john five twenty. look at it so we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son jesus christ and he is the true god eternal life same root word in the greek and it's not just the idea of true It's got the ending on the root word that makes it very true. Ooh. When I I looked at that and I saw that, I think, that's cool. Not just true, but very true. It's like a superlative. Okay? John wants to give us confidence. Who do you believe in? What do you believe in? Okay? And he's saying, so that we may know, that we may have confidence of him who is true. And we are in him. Believers are in him. So his identity, he who is true, Uh, he who is knowable, he wants to be known. He's revealed himself, right? He wants to be known. (laughs) Kids, you know, they go to school and, you know, it's like if you're new here at a school, it's like, I, I want to be known. I want to have people that know me. I want to know others. We're all like that. I don't think there's anyone here who is to a total, you know, island out there on their own. You have relationships. You love these relationships, most of them. <laughs> God revealed himself in Jesus jesus reveals god to man so that there's going to be a relationship there that's what's the that's the design and that's the idea of fellowship with him we talk this is one of the themes of john fellowship with him that you'd have an intimate fellowship not just a head knowledge about him but true fellowship with him and we are in him okay so this understanding that he's given leads us to a personal knowledge of God and to an intimate union with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So, letter A, we worship him for his coming. We B, we worship him for his work. Letter C, we worship him for his identity, who, who he is. All the, and it's, he's just given us the, the jump-off point. He is true. And he is true in... Everything he is. Letter D. We worship him above all others. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay? We worship him above all others. This is the buildup of what John is driving home to his readers, that he's the true God. So we guard or keep ourselves from idols now if you'll if you've been here in the study of first john you want to connect some of these dots that we've had from previous messages connecting the dots okay why did john write to point out the true christ pointing out the true christ because false images of christ were being taught or being instructed about That he wasn't really the Christ until his baptism. Or that he didn't have a real body even. Okay? Because, you know, God doesn't deal with evil. And yet stepping into this life with a real body meant that he had to deal with evil. And so these are false teachings that John was dealing with. And now he comes... Here's the, the, the last little statement. Keep yourselves from idols... Now, here's another little contrast. What's he been saying in the previous verse? One true God. Here's the one true God. Versus keep yourself from idols. That's study in contrast again. So recognize, and this is a great little advertisement for the ladies Bible study. (laughs) That's coming up on Monday nights. Study about, you know, Rachel's idols. Okay. What do idols do to us? You know, we can talk about what they are, but what do they do? What, do, what does an idol really do to us? They, they really dominate you or me. They would dominate you. They effectively distract you from God. And they never really satisfy none of them money power sex uh what are some others you know and those are general kinds none of those really satisfy they give a a a certain kind of pleasure okay but they don't satisfy like jesus like when you know here's i I know jesus and i'm I'm not perfect but I, i know i know jesus And that is good. That is what God would have us to grow in, is our faith in Jesus. So we keep watch. That's the idea. Guard yourself. Defend yourself. Keep watch. Be alert to idols. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 says, flee from idolatry. Okay, God in the Old Testament has clearly spoken over and over and over again. Spoken to his people. Stay away from idols. And time and time again, people fall back into idol worship. We read about it in the Old Testament. And the thing is, what's going on in our lives today and this week? Guard yourselves from idols, little children. That's what John is telling us. Okay. Family project. Are you Ready? To start your own FBI. And you don't have to have children to do this. But it helps having children because it's kind of fun. Faith Bureau of Investigation. Okay? Faith Bureau of Investigation. And then put out your most wanted list. Help you and your, your spouse or you and your spouse and your children or your grandchildren, okay, to identify and arrest any and every kind of idol. You have a project. You identify who they are. You take it upon yourself and make up a list. What are the idols that really uh, just keep calling out to us for our attention? Every kind of idol. And we say an idol is anything that takes the place or usurps the place of God in your life. And it's a constant thing. It's not just, oh, it's happening on a Friday night. No, it's a constant thing that we have to be keeping watch for. Name them, list them, reject them, abhor them. I was going to add... Bash them, mash them, and trash them. But, um, you know, what happened to the golden calf? They had to bash it and mash it and burn it. I thought that might be going a little far, but you uh, FBI people, make your list, right? Call it out as to what it is. Call it out as sin, Okay? But not just the negative side, but always the, here's the positive side, right? Always remember. Magnify. What does that mean? Just make large. Make Jesus larger and larger and larger in our lives, in our thinking, in our thoughts, in our conversation. Magnify him. Exalt him. Lift him up. Praise him. Worship him. And live for Jesus, okay? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink. Do it all to the glory of God. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Okay, I think i got to go back to the song, Brian. Not right now, but we'll do that after communion. Let's go ahead and, um, and ask God's blessing on our time as we remember Jesus' death on our behalf. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this letter. Thank you that uh, you've made it clear that John wrote these things so that our joy may be complete. Thank you, Lord, for these lessons. Help us to be different people because of it. Help us to grow and be stronger and confident in Jesus Christ as we go out this day. Lord, forgive us for fearing man. Help us to learn more about the opposite the contrast fearing god and to live in a way that shows that we truly love the lord thank you so much for this time now quiet our hearts help us to focus on what you would have for this time in communion and we pray in jesus name amen